In the following live session recording, Bill Emiot, children's pastor at First Baptist Church Houston, Texas, discusses the habits of an effective teacher. Good teachers come in all shapes, sizes, ages, and personalities, but certain habits seem to separate effective teachers from those who are less effective. In this session, listeners will learn skills that can move teachers from just okay to highly effective. Let's join Bill now. All right. Well, I am excited to be here. I have uh, been in Houston now for three weeks. I've started on October, um, August the 1st as the children's minister at Houston's First. Um, it's been an interesting ride to get there. I'm, some of you I've known for quite some time, and, and I think when I announced on Facebook, um, there was a big gasp, like, he's what? Because, and that's exactly how I felt too. <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. Before coming to Lifeway, I was a children's minister in Georgia for 14 years at two different churches. And then as a children's um, ministry specialist at Lifeway, I had the privilege of being a member at First Baptist Church in Asheville, where I taught children's Sunday school for the whole 16 years I was there. And I taught children's Bible drill on Sunday afternoon and preschool choir on Wednesday night. And now it's um, taking on a different approach to all those things. And so I'm excited about what God's allowing me to do at this point in my life. Um, but today I want to talk about these habits of an effective Sunday school teacher, habits of an effective Bible study leader. At my church, we call them life Bible studies. Your church may call them uh, grow groups or whatever, but for the sake of our conversations today, we're going to say Sunday school. Does everybody know what we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Bible study teachers come in a variety of shapes and sizes and preferences and, and talents, but there's a few habits, a, a few things that I've noticed over the years that when you do these things, it takes you from being a, a mediocre Bible study leader to an exceptional, highly effective teacher. And so I want to talk about them. We have about an hour today, so some of them we're going to spend more time on than others. It doesn't mean that those are less important. Some of them have been covered in other conferences that you may or may not have been in, and if you weren't, you can get the video, the audio recording and pick that up and and catch them but we're gonna we're gonna go fast this morning and because it's Saturday morning we're not gonna sit still the whole time either um, I'm not gonna just lecture to you today we're gonna interact as a team together so you ready to go yes. let's pray and get started Heavenly Father thank you for the privilege of being here this morning thank you for these men and these women Lord who have come out on a Saturday morning to do um, to learn and to grow and to be better at what you called them to be God I pray that the things that we say in this room today would please you and help these in Jesus name Amen. All right, number one, if we're going to be effective Bible study leaders, then we're going to have to make sure that we put first things first. Make sure that you have first things first. When asked, it was an attempt to, to trap Jesus in, in his uh, uh teachings but when asked what is the most important what is the what is the most important law Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6 he said love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and then he added love your neighbor as yourself 
if we're going to be effective Bible study leaders, then we have to put first things first. I often say to teachers and, and children's ministry leaders, the greatest resource that you have isn't in a closet somewhere. The greatest resource that you can give to your boys and girls, the greatest teaching tip that I can give to you today is to make sure that your relationship with the Lord is the most important thing. Because God wants to speak to the boys and girls in your class from the overflow of what he's taught you in your heart. And so you need that relationship with him. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your heart. You know, I think about how much I love my nephews. I need to love God more than that. I'm, you may have a, 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 a special person in your life. Maybe it's your husband or your wife or, or your children, you know, or, or hey, your grandchildren. You know, love, the, that's an, a great example of what it means to love with all your heart. You have to ask yourself, I have to ask myself, do I love the Lord with all my heart? With all my soul, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your soul. What does that feel like? When nobody can see your innermost being, we're to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. What do you dwell on? What do you think about? What do you allow yourself to see and bring into your brain that then comes out? You know, what's the old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. Well, what are you bringing into your mind? What are you dwelling on? What are you allowing yourself to, to fester on, if you will, that it should be the Lord? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, a couple of the passages leave out and all your strength, but in Mark it says and all your strength. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. How do you serve? What are you doing with your body, with what God's given you? How do you love Him through your body? I don't even want to go there. What did I put in my body? just this morning, physically, that would represent I love him. I don't know. I've often said if your body's a temple, I'm working on a mega church. <laughs> I don't know if that's scriptural or not. <laughs> but it causes me pause to think, what am I doing with my body that shows that I love him with all my strength? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then Jesus said what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Putting first things first. So I want us to think about that a little bit by putting that really into my mind, into your mind, that verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That comes from Mark chapter 12, verses 30 through 31. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to have two teams. We're going to have the orange team, and we're going to have the green team. The orange team, who wants to be orange? Go big orange. Anybody? Orange is good. Okay, it looks like this is going to be our orange team right over here. And what I have is all the words to that scripture on individual pieces of paper. Alright, you got it? Individual pieces of paper. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you hold though, because the green team needs theirs too. And I have to go down here to get it. 
The green team needs theirs. What I'm going to do is give these to you when I call for go. As a team, I want you to unscramble these words. And the orange team can do it, line them up on this side of the room, and the green team can line them up on that side of the room. And whoever, whichever team wins will receive 100,000 points. <laughs> 100,000 points. That are good for absolutely nothing. All right, Miss Brenda, you're in charge. That doesn't mean that you have to do it. That doesn't mean you have to do it. It just means you have to tell everybody else what to do. Are we balanced out numerically? Yes, you are. Okay, on your mark, get set, let's go. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor. There's only one and, and it's right there. There it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. I think they've got it. I think they've got it. All right. Let's say it together. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mark 12, 30 through 31. All right. We're not done yet. We're fixing to have a snowball fight. So I need you to wad up your papers. Wad them up. And we're going to have a 30-second snowball fight. And all the greens are going to want to be over here. But all of the oranges are going to be over here. But you want the oranges over there. And you want the greens over here. So you're going to throw yours over. And they're going to throw theirs back. And we're going to throw We're going to have a lot of fun for 30 seconds. On your mark, get set, go! Throw them back, throw them back. Fifteen more seconds. Ten, nine, no, eight, seven, six, five, four. Three, two, one, stop! All right, orange team, you are now going to pick up all the green pieces. Yell, uh, green team, you're going to pick up all the orange pieces, open them up, and put it back together. Go! have it or this orange team if they have it love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength love your neighbor as yourself good job good job good job you may be seated all right so if you didn't get anything else I think you understand the importance of putting first things first. There's the orange one right there on the ledge. In a oh, it was, <laughs> it was there. It was there. I bet it's a thing. It all the time. <laughs> Let's say the verse one last time. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Number one thing. Oh, yes, thank you. Mark 12, 30 through 31. Maria Brandon would not be pleased if we didn't put the reference in. Um, number one, put first things first. Number two, habits that I've noticed that make someone more highly effective begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. It's been said, and I agree, that if you don't know where you're going, you won't know if you get there. <laughs> we need to know what's the purpose of teaching on Sunday morning. We need to understand that our teaching goals are not just to make sure all the kids had fun. Now, I hope they have fun. It's not just to make sure they all got a snack that was an appropriate snack. I hope maybe we do that if that's needed. But the real purpose of teaching boys and girls on Sunday morning in a Bible study setting is spiritual transformation. We want to help kids to, do, we want to develop boys and girls, we want to develop a, a programming, we want to develop our ministry, our Sunday school opportunity that's centered on the gospel, that offers spiritual transformation so that boys and girls can go out and shape the culture. As we teach boys and girls, we should lead with and know that the purpose is the gospel. The gospel. Begin your preparation with knowing that we want boys and girls to be transformed by the gospel. Nothing else can do that for them. Nothing else can transform them. Only the gospel. Last night we spent a lot of time on this, so I don't want to spend too much time today, but for those of you who may not have been here, the gospel is the point of what we do. We want to see boys and girls and their families and their friends come to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. But I think we've spent a lot of time just teaching them biblical content that gives them perhaps behavior modification, but the only thing that's going to transform their heart is Jesus Christ. We can teach them about remarkable people who, do, who did some incredible things. We can teach them through those stories about changing their behavior and how to trust and how to listen. And we can teach good morals and we can even show how to, we can teach them to, mod, we can modify their behavior for a moment, but the only thing that's going to really change them is Jesus Christ. We can teach them the do's to do and the don'ts to not do. We can teach them to cross every T and to dot every I, but at the end of the day, that's not really what we want. We don't want a, little, a bunch of little Pharisees what we want is boys and girls who have lasting change in their life and lasting modification as a result of a, a lasting modification that's a result of a love born out of a desperation of God and God's provision through his son Jesus Christ. We want boys and girls to only to love only through and know that only through Jesus <coughs> true modification is found. True righteousness is only found in Jesus Christ. There's not a list of things that they can do that will make them righteous. Only Jesus was good enough to make them righteous before a holy father. Only Jesus, only through Jesus will they ever be found good. And that in itself is what we're trying to teach. Now we do it in a variety of different ways with a variety of different methods, but at the end of the day, that's what we want. So, we teach the Bible. 
We teach the Bible in a way that they'll, be, they'll fall in love with Jesus and what he did for them. And as a result of them falling in love with Jesus and what he's done for them, they'll be lifelong followers who are following, not out of a sense of obligation, but out of an attempt or an attempt to earn anything. But they'll follow Jesus because of a passionate love that saves them from an eternal damnation. That's what we do. That's the end that we're teaching too, is helping boys and girls to see that God loved them so much, in, that for God so loved them so much that he gave his one and only son. The only way to eternal life is through Jesus Christ, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but they would have, an e- have eternal life. And when we teach to that end, it changes the, ex- the anticipation as we prepare. It changes the, the, the trajectory that we take the class. We begin with the end in mind. Number three, we seek to understand the boys and girls. We seek to understand the boys and girls. Now, for years and years and years, I've talked about Luke 52, Luke 2.52, where it talks about Jesus and how he grew. And Jesus was, uh, we know that Jesus was born an infant and came into the world uh, a a baby and he grew. And the Bible tells us in um, Luke 2, there's a, a gap really between when he was a preschooler and when he was a 12 year old and he went to the temple at age 12 a preteen you know jesus was a preteen i it's hard to think about you know he had his voice was cracked a little bit he didn't come into the world fully bearded and with a very deep voice you know he came as a child and he grew and the bible tells us um after the account of uh of jesus in the temple that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. As Bible study leaders, we'll do our best work when we join God in the way he created them to learn. He created them to, and he created them to grow in wisdom, mentally. He created them to grow physically. He created them to grow in a relationship with other people, spiritually, um, I mean, emotionally, uh, socially, and he created them to grow in a relationship with the Father. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man and boys and girls grow that way too I want to go a step further not adding to scripture in any way but to go to a next level of what that might look like and talk about understanding boys and girls and the culture they live in the culture they live in so what I'm fixing what I'm fixing I'm in Georgia right I can fix them what I'm getting ready to hand you are some some little dots and around the room you're gonna see some targets These are influencers on the boys and girls that we teach. These are things that influence the boys and girls that we teach every Sunday morning. What I'm going to ask you to do is to go around to these targets. You're only getting 12 stickers, but there are 14 targets, so you won't get around to all of them. That's okay. We've got a lot to do and a short time to do it in. But I want you to go around and I want you to place your sticker on the target at where you believe this is influencing this particular subject matter. This one back here in the corner says helps animals. How is that influencing the kids you teach? Helping animals. Or 
Right up here we have Jace Norman. How is Jace Norman influencing the children you teach? Now, if you know for sure he is, you're going to put it right in the center. If you don't know what in the world that is, then you're going to put it off to the side. But we're not going to put it on the walls of the church. <laughs> All right? The you're right. Because I have grandkids. There you go. All right, everybody back up. And we're going to take about two minutes to walk the room. If you've not finished, that's fine. We're going to talk about these. One of my favorite evenings in, in any given year is in the, the last Saturday, maybe it's the third or fourth Saturday of March. Every year, Nickelodeon presents what they call Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Awards. Kids' Choice Awards. Now, I'm not always on the ball of what the kids are doing and what they're not doing, so this gives me a quick... A quick a couple hours and I'm up to par on what's going on because what they do is they poll children and find out what their favorites are around the room are 13 of their favorites 13 of their favorites let's see how we did on some of these Mary Poppins returns so we did pretty good over here we've got these uh, dots, if you will, close to the center because this was voted their favorite movie. Now, one of the things I think about that is what movie was going in March, you know, because it could be that now their favorite movie is Lion King that just came out not too long ago. But do you, did you go see Mary Poppins Returns? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> About three of you. Now, I'm not suggesting that Gone with the Wind shouldn't be your favorite movie. But what I am suggesting is that we need to know what the favorite movie is that boys and girls are, because it's influencing them. And we need to understand and know the influences in the children that we teach, because an effective teacher seeks to understand their kids. All right. What about Robert Downey Jr.? Where is he in the room? How'd he do? Alright, he's kind of some on the outskirts, some on the bottom. Well, guess what? He was voted their su favorite superhero. He plays, um, he was in the Avengers Infinity War. He's Tony Stark, Iron Man. Um, you know, Robert Downey Jr.'s had a pretty shady past. But since Iron Man's come on the scene, he's kind of at least kept his shadiness to himself. So, but he is influencing the boys and girls. Wow. You don't, you may want, Rock Hudson may still be your favorite superhero. I don't know. Or maybe Batman is your favorite superhero. You, that's fine with me. I'm not telling you to, uh, to embrace these, I'm telling you, you need to know what's influencing the kids in your classroom. And being able to have a conversation about Iron Man or Avengers is going to give you an inroad to the lives of these boys and girls when they go, he knows about Iron Man? He knows about Iron Man? Well, I'd hate to bust their bubble and tell him he's been doing that for 20 years. But I do know about Iron Man just enough to know that he's influencing them and then when he gets on stage and says something that's completely bad and awful, then I can counteract that in my class as much as possible. What about Incredibles 2? Where is it? How'd we do? 
kind of, oh, we did a pretty good, got some good, good feedback from Incredibles 2. It was voted their favorite animated movie. Again, I didn't see Incredibles 2. I like the Incredibles. I didn't see it, but I might should have looked into it a little bit more once I read this. Today, it might be a different animated movie. Whatever came out last usually is theirs. And your favorite animated movie may still be uh, Finding Nemo. I don't know. I mean, it's got a special place in my heart. The Lion King, original Lion King, has a special place in my heart because I watched it 150 times with my 27-year-old nephew who was three at the time. And that was back when you had to rewind. You couldn't just start over. You had to wait until it rewound. We had a separate machine that did that. Um, you need to know what's influencing the boys and girls. What about Fuller House? How did we do on Fuller House? All right, voted their favorite funny TV show. Now, I watched Full House, but I've not been so much up on Fuller House because I still like watching Everybody Loves Raymond, you know? And I'm not telling you to stop watching Everybody Loves Raymond. I'm telling you that you need to know what's influencing the boys and girls in your class. What about Riverdale? We only have one in the center right there. Somebody understands that this was voted as their favorite TV drama. Now, I don't know if you remember Riverdale from way back then with Jughead and Veronica and all those. They're still in there, but they're up to some mess now that they didn't used to be up to. I wouldn't think this would be appropriate show for kids to watch. But they voted it their favorite TV drama. Now maybe MacGyver's still your favorite TV drama. I don't know. That's okay with me. But what I'm telling you is you need to understand what's influencing the boys and girls so that you can understand them in a better and a deeper way. What about, Zen is it Zendaya or Zendaya? Zendaya. Where are we on her? She's been all over the map for a while. She's been in these polls in different ways for a long time. She was voted their favorite female TV star. She plays Casey Undercover in, uh, uh, she plays Casey Cooper in Casey Undercover, uh, a, a favorite show of theirs, and they love her. Zendaya, is, she's a pretty good girl, too. She's, she's, she's not come out and done anything that I've been too upset about. What about Jace Norman? He is Henry Danger. He plays Henry Hart um, kid in uh, Kid Danger in the, the TV show Henry Danger, voted their favorite male TV star. What about America's Got Talent? Their favorite reality show. Their favorite reality show. You may love Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't know. That may be your thing, and if that's your thing, then okay, I'm not going to judge. But it's, their thing is America's Got Talent. And we need to understand that. Maybe you need to tune in every once in a while and cut off Real Housewives. <laughs> what about SpongeBob SquarePants? For, I think it's 11 years now, voted in a row, their favorite cartoon. Yeah. Their favorite cartoon. Now, me, I still like uh, Roadrunner. I love oh, yeah. Roadrunner. <laughs> I love Beep Beep. And I, I mean, I feel sorry a little bit for the coyote, yeah. but I love Roadrunner. But I need to know a little bit about SpongeBob in order to have a conversation with these boys and girls. I need to recognize that SpongeBob is literally a sponge that wears square pants on his bottom. And he 
lives in the depths of the sea with his best friend Patrick Starfish. They hang out at the Krusty Krab where Squidward works and Sandy the Squirrel puts her oxygen mask on and comes down every once in a while. Not that I've ever watched Spongebob. But you need to recognize that these are the things that are influencing boys and girls so that you can understand your you kids. Funny up here. Yes. I thought, well, when I saw, because I had not looked around any of the others, I saw, you know what, they need to imagine dragons that they can conquer anything. And I put it on the young As Imagine dragons. They need to imagine dragons. So I get it. I it's, get it. But it's a rock group. Speaking of Imagine Dragons, <laughs> voted their favorite music group. And I was going to play real quick just a little bit of of their song with Lil Wayne. And you may have heard the kids sing it. My kids love, this song's been around a while, but Lil Wayne put it back up on the, in the middle of happiness with his rap in the middle of it. It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. I'll give it a 96. The kids bop and you'll get All right. Oh, that's not, I don't want to hear you. What makes me beautiful? Now you're hearing my playlist. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> All right, so imagine dragons influencing the boys and girls, and we might want to hear, we might want to know about that. What about delicate? Where is delicate? What is delicate? Well, let me play a little delicate for you. Voted their favorite song. Delicate by anybody? Taylor, Tay Tay, Tay Tay Swift. She wins hands down with kids. Now, if you really read these words, you might be a little bit appalled because they're not necessarily nice words for children to be hearing. Yet, this was voted their favorite song. Taylor Swift was voted their favorite female vocalist. All right, so let's move on. What about Just Dance 2019? Anybody? How'd it do? Voted their favorite video game. Their favorite video game. I was glad. Now, I wonder if there's a difference between one you have. I mean, my boys love Minecraft. My boys love Fortnite, and that's all they play. Minecraft, Fortnite, and Roblox. But I was glad to know that Just Dance won the award because they're not shooting anything in Just Dance. And if you haven't gotten a hold of Just Dance, some of us really need to get a hold of Just Dance. Is that just where you stand there? You stand there and the machine does this and you do this. And then the machine does this and you do this. And all of a sudden the machine's doing this and you're doing this. Or however it works. You know? Let's see. There we go. Now I'm going. You know? So they're up and they're moving and they're dancing. And last year, their favorite um, viral video was the guy who doing the floss right then. And I've learned to do it. I want to learn to do the other one. The, I can't do the other. <laughs> Anyhow, all that a lot of that's been made popular through Fortnite. And so. I'm not telling you that your playlist needs to look like their playlist, mm -hmm. but I am saying you need to be aware of the boys, of what's influencing the boys and girls in your class. A couple more really quickly. Um, SS Sniper Wolf, anybody? Sounds like a YouTuber. <laughs> it is a YouTuber, and it's a she YouTuber, and she plays Fortnite. And what they do is sit and watch her play. Mm. <laughs> they watch her play. Mm. That's the That's the... 
one of the most they just sit and watch someone else play and SS Sniperwolf is a girl and she is the, voted their number one their favorite gamer now it's kind of crazy um, but it's really not all much anything that new um, one of the children in my last children's ministry in, in Cartersville um, is a professional gamer now my my best friend and his wife have told me I am not allowed to tell this to their children <laughs> that they you could be grow up to be a professional gamer but they already know because they're watching SS Sniper Wolf he just won a million dollars in a competition anyhow I love it and finally helps animals Helps animals was also one of the questions. What would be your favorite way? How do you want to help in the world? And they, their number one answer was they want to help animals. Not people. <laughs> help animals. My point here really is just to make you a little bit more aware of the influences on the boys and girls that are in your classroom. Now, I'm not sure where these people were. were I don't know if this was a, a poll or a survey that really represents the, the nation or if it represents North Georgia or South Georgia. My encouragement to you is to find out what the, your kids' favorite things are. Because it could be different from one church to the next church, one part of the state to the next part of the state. So depending on what's influencing them, we need to know that because an effective Bible study leader seeks to understand the kids. Number four. Effective Bible leaders are proactive. Highly effective Bible leaders are proactive. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know where you find yourself, but for me, I don't have any more extra time. I am juggling balloons and balls, and I just don't, I can't get, oh my goodness, I can't get another balloon in my, I, ha, I don't have any more time for anything else. I am busy. I don't know, maybe you're not so busy. I'm busy. There's a lot going on. I'm juggling all kinds of things. Don't just sit and look at it. You guys, don't you bounce it around a little bit. Are you juggling? Are you finding yourself juggling different things? And you don't have another minute in your life to schedule another thing. Can I get an amen? How are we going to be proactive and plan and prepare our sessions for Sunday morning when we don't have another minute to do another thing? I've got a, I've got a solution. I've got something that I think will work. And I think that if we'll do it, we'll find ourselves better and more effective. Inside each one of these balloons are a strip of paper that looks like this. And what I have on here are simple five to ten minute things that we can do over the course of seven days that will allow us to be highly effective. Let's pop those balloons and get those things out. One, two, three, four, five, six in my hand, one more somewhere, seven and... Don't be scared. Eight. Eight. All right. Now, when I, am a, when I am most effective, when I am doing my best as a Bible study leader, I start on Sunday night before Sunday morning. Sunday night before Sunday morning. I don't have three hours to sit down and get prepared, but I've got 10 minutes. 
every day. And if I don't have 10 minutes every day, then I need to rearrange my schedule and a little less TV and a little more prep time. 10 minutes. So on Sunday night, who's got the one that says Sunday? Oh, I have it. <laughs> Sunday night, from your Bible, read the scripture passage for next week. Ask God what he's trying to teach you through this passage. Mm -hmm. On Sunday night, just re look, find out, what am I teaching next week? What's the scripture passage? It's Acts chapter 1 through verse 8. Read it. Just say a quick prayer, God, teach me what it is you want to teach me this week. That's it. That's all you got to do Sunday night. I, can, I have time for that. I have time for that. And I'm convinced that when we start early in the week, that we're going to, uh, God's going to, in our goings and comings, God's going to allow us opportunities to learn what he wants us to learn. Again, God wants to teach the boys and girls in your class from the overflow of what he's teaching you in your heart. Mm -hmm. But when you pick it up on Saturday night at, at 10 o'clock, there's not a whole lot of time nope. for him to teach you a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But on Sunday night, I've got, it in my, I've got it in my mind. I'm starting. On Monday morning, or Monday, what are we going to do? We're going to read my application statements and the personal Bible study material for the session. Ask God, ask God to reveal how to make the session all right, so you're going to read the personal Bible study that's called different things, but usually it's that first page in the in the that week's session where there's a, a commentary of sorts and there's a life application. This is what you're teaching to or a gospel point or whatever the, they call it. But that first session that 90% of us go, could you get what I got to do? I don't want, I ain't got time to learn anything. I got what I got to do. And then you don't really even know what you're teaching to what the point of the lesson is. So on Monday, we're going to take five minutes. We're going to read that page. We're going to read the different information they have there. Maybe there's the a levels of biblical learning statement, or maybe there's a life point statement, or whatever. The gospel connection statements are all on there, and we're going to get our minds wrapped around it. On Tuesday. Read the teaching procedures and the learner pages for the session. Begin gathering the supplies needed. Alright, so Tuesday I'm going to actually go through the session and read through the session. This is what it's recommending that I'm going to do. And I, you know what, I, it looks like I need brown paper bags this week. Now again, on t by Tuesday I've only been to Walmart once. Saturday night at 10 o'clock I've probably been there three times that week. Mm -hmm. And now I need paper bags. If I had read that earlier in the week, then I would, in my going and in my coming, I would swing by the Dollar Tree and pick up whatever it is I needed or swing by the resource center at the church and get my paper bags or whatever it is, however your processes are. But if you're waiting until 10 o'clock, you're frustrated because all of a sudden I need googly eyes. If I, and I saw them the other day and threw them in the trash because I didn't think I'd need them. By Tuesday, we're very aware of the lesson. How can I make this come alive? How can I, you know, I often say a, 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 a resource, a, a curriculum is at some level a suggestion. You can do what it says, and that usually will work. But as you're reading through, you may know, I can't do that because my room's seven by seven. And I can't, we, playing a relay from one wall to the other won't work. I mean, it just doesn't work in my setting. You start to do that. I often say, be the teacher. Be the teacher. Take the resource and adapt it to your needs and to your kids. Be the teacher. Be the teacher. But don't be the teacher who does everything the teacher likes. 
You know, as teachers, we'll tend to teach the way we prefer to learn. So if you're the crafty one, you're doing crafts every week. Well, you've got kids in there who don't want anything to do with crafts. And if you're always doing crafts, then what are they? Bored. And when kids are bored and you don't have a plan, they do. It doesn't include the Bible verse or the Bible story or the life application statement. So we need to recognize that. By Tuesday, we're starting to think that way. What about Wednesday? Wednesday, pray for the kids and their families. Make a visit, phone call, or send an email or a card. All right, Wednesday's prayer meeting day, right? <laughs> it has been traditionally. So Wednesday, we're going to specifically take the time to think about ministry. How can we pray for these kids? What can we do? What, what, what are some needs that were found or, or, or identified this past Sunday? And how can we help meet and minister in that way? Maybe it's a card. Maybe it's a visit. Maybe it's some other kind of way. But certainly it's praying. And I would suggest that every week you pray for every child by name every week um, and just ask God for wisdom and direction and help you to know how to minister and, and be the church for that child. Be the church. Thursday. Reread the scripture passage and continue preparing the teaching procedures. Reread the scripture passage and I would encourage you to maybe reread it read it in a, se a second translation. Um, you know, I have, what, 160 translations now on my phone. Um, so it's not hard to pull up a different translation. But I still like to touch the Bible. I'm not, uh, I'm not completely away from just using my devices like some of my friends are. But I like, so I get out my green Bible. I get my green Bible. It's kind of padded and it's green and I read from the green Bible. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to take the green Bible to church because it wasn't a translation. It was a paraphrase. And the living Bible came in a green padded book and it stayed at home. Now, I had one, but I wasn't allowed to take it to church because you didn't take it. You took King James to church because everybody knows that Jesus wrote the King James Version. And so we got there and, and um, I I like to pull that Bible out though, a translation. Uh, the Message Bible by Peterson is a good, uh, uh, a good paraphrase and it just causes me to read it a little differently. It's not a translation, it is a paraphrase, but it makes me think about the scriptures differently. What about Friday? Chris Wall and teaching team with and responsibilities and I hope you're not teaching by yourself. And if you are, you need to go to church tomorrow and you need to tell somebody, I can't, I don't need to be doing this. It's on a variety of levels. We don't need to be teaching by ourselves. We, and secondly, though, in, in the context of what we're having here, um, you need to communicate with your teaching team if that's one other person or four other people. So we all know who's on first. Because there's nothing worse than coming in on Sunday morning. Everybody else thinks somebody else is ready. And nobody's ready. And like I said, a failure to, well, Benjamin Franklin said it, but I could have said it. A failure to plan is a plan to fail. So we reach out on Friday just to text, an email, something. I'm doing, I'm doing large group. Who's doing small group? What are you doing? You know, you know, we get in there and we're all trying to do the same thing. That's a problem. Or nobody's doing anything. That's a whole other problem. So we touch base at some point during the week. Saturday. Saturday, review the scripture passage and teaching procedures. Gather any last minute supplies. 
the really nice thing about having a plan like this is by Saturday, you're ready. You're ready to teach by Saturday. So Saturday, you're just kind of putting the icing on the cake. But you've baked the cake earlier in the week. You know, uh, icing's fun, but with no cake, it kind of gets too sweet too fast. So we want to put icing on the cake. That's Saturday. That's when we put it all together, make sure we've got it. If we still need paper bags, we've got one more trip to Kroger. We've got to make for our family. We can pick up some paper bags. But then Sunday morning... I was pretty sure there was a... Describe the learning experience as you prepare to help all right, so on Sunday morning, we've done all this preparation and we're ready to guide the, the session. I don't have two hours where I can block and say, I'm going to do my prep here. I just don't. And I, I'm sure that if you, if you probably have less, I mean, I, I'm by myself. Will you have put a family in that and school and sports and all the other things that go with that? You don't either. But I've got 10 minutes every day. Mm. I do have 10 minutes, seven times a week, and so I can give prep 70 minutes. And for most of us, that's probably about 60 minutes more than we're giving it. I had a teacher one time say, I need a, sesh, I need a lesson that can be prepared in seven traffic lights. Oh, no. I said, what? Seven traffic lights are how many traffic lights there are between my house and the church, and that's all I got. And I'm thinking, that's not success. That's certainly not effective. So how do we figure out seven traffic lights seven times? A little bit every day goes a long way. Number next. Yes, sir. I just got to say that I'm a, I'm a, my testimony is I'm a witness of what you just said. That, that works. Perfect. Not necessarily in that order all the time. But one thing that happened to me, too, in addition to what you just pointed out with those uh, seven days, seven points, the Lord woke me up at 4 a.m. one night. He didn't do that all the time, but I remember one time. I'll never forget it. 4 a.m. I hadn't got my points yet. And I thought I was dreaming. But I said, no, he's speaking to me. They're my points. Mm -hmm. I got up and went to my computer because I didn't want to forget it. And, and I, I apologized to my wife later. I said, look, I had to get up because I got to stop speaking to me. It's 4 a.m., I know, but I had to get up and put those points down you know, over the next several days. But it doesn't all come in one day or at one time. And it, it comes over a series come, of days. For me, I'm right. best when I take a period of time to process time. through. It, it, yep. works. it works. It works. All right, number five. Highly effective teachers guide behavior. Oh, my goodness. Where in the world, when in the world did this happen that children misbehave at church? Well, at least 56 years ago. <laughs> because I've been misbehaving at church my whole life. Um, I do go around, I've been in a lot of churches over the, the last 16 and a half years, and there's several things that I hear alike in all the different churches that I go to. I hear people say, we need help understanding um, guiding children and in, in, uh, in making a decision for Christ. And I, I love that when churches want to learn more about how to do that well. I hear the same thing. We need more workers. How can you help me get more workers? And if I had a pill that popped up in a church and you know, put it in water and it popped up a teacher, I'd sell it. And we'd have this conference on the cruise ship um, because I'd be very, because you'd pay me for that pill, you know. Uh, but th another thing that I'm hearing regularly is help me understand how to guide behavior because um, things are a little different than they used to be and some of them rightly so and some of them it's kind of sad. And um, I don't have 
a perfect answer on guiding behavior. But what I do have is 10 tips that I think will help you as you guide behavior in your classroom. So I'm going to throw them out into the audience. I don't want anybody to get poked in the eye, so look up. I've, I've worked hard at making good, <laughs> good airplanes. All right, and if you don't want yours, you can throw it to somebody else. Don't poke your eye out yet. If you don't want yours, you can just toss it right now while I'm tossing. Nobody will ever know that you tossed yours too. And if you just want to toss an airplane, feel free to toss the airplane. But what I have are these 10 tips on airplanes. Nobody wanted to toss them? Okay, we'll keep going. Open them up and all you're going to be required to do is read them. <laughs> so that wasn't a hard assignment. Number one. Pray daily for the students and for wisdom. Pray daily for students and for wisdom. I think that there is um, something powerful about prayer. And I think that we don't always tap into that resource. As much as you want the boys and girls in your ministry to be successful and to know God and understand the gospel and have a right relationship with Jesus, much more so the Lord Jesus Christ wants that for them. We need to be praying, God, help these kids ask right you know intervene Lord um, my mom used to have a plaque when I was growing up she gave to my brother at his ordination it says prayer changes things you know what I found when I struggle with a particular child and I begin to pray for him what changes most me me you, it's, it's hard to pray for someone and not feel differently about them after you've really entered a season of prayer. We need to be praying for these children who give us, uh, give us problems, who stress us out. You know them. I can name them. I know them myself. You know them. I've got names. You know, we start praying for ja uh, Jackson and we start praying for John and we pray for Holly and we pray for these kids things change. We pray, God, give me the wisdom to figure this out. Give me some insight on how to deal with this child. Now, there's a lot of children out there today who've been diagnosed with, with special needs, mm -hmm. and some of them have HD, AD, B, C, Q, all the different alphabet. I'm not really talking about these kids who've been diagnosed and have special needs and need special assistance and have special... I'm talking about just in general. These are some principles that I think will help. Prayer is the most important. I challenge you that if you are struggling with a child that lives in your house or a child that comes into your classroom, that you begin to pray for them. See if that doesn't change things. Number two... Tell children the rules and then enforce them. Tell children the rules and then enforce them. I'm convinced that people don't live up to our expectations because they don't know what we expect. The same with children. If they don't know what the rules are, then how can they follow the rules? And then when we have rules that we don't enforce consistently, is this the week I get to swing from the chandelier or no? You know, is this the week I get to sit on top of the table or no? Is this the week I get to hide in the closet or no? We need to have some rules and we need to enforce them. Now, I would say be careful about your rules. Don't be known as the rule, rule teacher, you know. We used to... Um, long time ago, my nephews who are 26 and 27, we used to go to the pool <laughs> out by their house and... Young man, no running! 
And you know, kids are struggling with that. Young man, no running. And so one day we got ready to go to the pool and he said, they said, we don't want to go to the rule pool. We want to go to the other pool. You don't want to be known as the rule teacher. But there needs to be some rules. There needs to be some, some, bear, some, some parameters. There needs to be some, some ways that we, we control what's going on in the class. So here's the rule that works at my class. It may work for you. We will respect each other and each other's belongings. We will respect each other and each other's belongings. That seems to work. That seems to work in my setting. And we can talk about that when, you know, I, that means I need to respect them too. And I think when we do respect boys and girls then, and, and model that behavior for them, then it becomes easier as they um, learn that and, and interact with us. So we will respect each other and each other's belongings. Number? I, yes. I, I'm starting up, and this is new for me at my age, but I'm starting up 10 kids starting this coming Wednesday mm -hmm. at, our, at our small church. And so I put together because they have to earn coins to be able to go to the team fun cup tub. So, but uh, respect and princes behave and take care of God's house. No running, leaving trash behind. Have to be explicit with them. Be calm and quiet during assembly and Bible time, and participate in activities like in Bible time and in book time. And mm -hmm. so, I just kind of wanted to put it in something they would understand. Right. I think it's. I think we have to be careful not to have you know God's rules, the Ten Commandments over mm -hmm. here, and Mr. Bill's rules over here, and overwhelm them so much. But I think that if we can make it very simple and make sure they understand what we've said. Then they will be I able to. I'm going to put in there about the, the respect each other. I think that's and, good. And Where are we? Number four? No, three. Three? Well, we got to hurry. Oh, yeah. Dislike the behavior, not the child. Dislike the behavior, not the child. Oh, There's yeah. a difference between right. the behavior and the child. My mom used to say, I love you, but I don't like you very much right now. And I think I understand what she was talking about. God does not call us to like all the children. We are not called to like all the children, but we are commanded to love one another. And we need to love every one of them. So we separate the behavior mm -hmm. from the child. Mm -hmm. I love you, but right now your behavior is causing a problem. Number four. I think we need to be consistent. Again, if you can't sit on the table this week, why are we sitting on the table? If you can't sit on the table next week, why are we sitting on the table this week? Be consistent. Kids need consistency, and they will react to consistency. I've got the kids in my Sunday school class last year can say with me, I'll start, we will, and they'll start, respect each other and each other's belongings, because that's been a consistent rule. So they start saying it, and they start acting, that, acting in that manner. Number five? Be fair. Be fair. And if you're not, they'll call you out. And they're going to say to you, what? That's not fair. And if it's not fair, it's not fair. So I can't let Mitchell Dunn do something that I won't let Will Bowling do. Uh -huh. I can't let Mitchell Dunn, and I keep talking about sitting on the table because that's just simple. Um, I can't let Mitchell Dunn sit on the table and then get on to Will Bowling for sitting on the table. Be fair. Number six. Don't threaten. Don't threaten. Don't threaten. My dad believed in time travel. He used to say, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at one point in my life, I thought, that wonder what's happening next week. Uh. <laughs> he couldn't do that. And after a while, I realized he couldn't do that. And you know what I started hearing? Charlie Brown's teacher. 
I didn't hear him anymore. Wah, 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 wah. When you threaten and you're not able to follow through on that threat, then you're not going to be effective in guiding behavior. Now, there are some things you can do. Mm -hmm. You can go get the children's director. Mm -hmm. You can step out the room and, um, you know, and find some help in the hall and bring them in. You can have them sit out over here on the side. Now, I wouldn't put them in the corner and their, or their nose to the wall, but you can say, because of your behavior, you're going to have to sit out. But you cannot, if you're not going to go and get their mama, don't say, I'm going to go get your mama. Mm -hmm. you, if you're not going to go get the preacher out of the pulpit, don't say, I'm going to go get the preacher out of the pulpit and come in here. If you're not going to duct tape them to the chair, then don't say, I'm going to duct tape you to the chair. And be clear, if you duct tape them to the chair, you will go to jail. <laughs> so don't say it. Don't say it. Number seven. Provide choices and alternative solutions when possible. When possible, give them a choice. So it's no longer your problem, it's their problem. They're making a decision. If you throw that block one more time, you're going to have to leave the block area for the rest of the week. Now a child has a decision. Am I going to throw the blocks and get out of the block area for the rest of the week? You didn't make it, they made it. If you continue to talk to your neighbor, I'm going to have to split you guys up. And Miss, Miss Linda's going to sit between you. Now, if you don't want Miss Linda to sit between you, then y'all need to quit talking. Now, it's their decision, it's their choice. I've also noticed that when kids have choices, they want to see things succeed. So if you go in and prescribe to them every little thing that they're going to do in a day, they're going to get tired of that. There are some kids who are need a little bit more control in their life. They're going to get tired of that. They're going to need, uh, and, and so they're going to mess it up. They're, but <coughs> if you have crafts every week, and they, they get tired of that. But what if you have a game and a craft and they choose? So the people who chose crafts are going to want the craft to go be successful. The people who chose games, they're going to want the game to be successful. When possible, give them choices and alternative decisions or whatever that was. Number eight. Never confront or embarrass a child in front of a class. I would be very careful about that. We need to be careful about confronting them or embarrassing them. Some children, that's going to that's gonna really melt them and destroy them. Some children, they're going to try to one-up you. Uh, just be very intentional about as much as you can, taking a child to the side where God and everybody can see you, not in a room across the hall, not even outside in the hall by yourself, but right here where they're over there, that child's looking you in your face and you're saying your behavior is inappropriate. This isn't going to work. You're going to have to stop or we're going to have a problem. Don't tell them they're stupid like they've got the speaker <laughs> No, don't tell them they're stupid. Number nine. Model proper behavior for the children. Model oh, proper yeah. behavior. If you don't want their bum on the table, don't put your bum on the table. You need to model proper behavior. Kids are going to learn more by what they see you do than what they ever, than they'll ever learn by what they hear you say. We've got to model proper behavior. So if you don't want them yelling at you, why are you yelling at them? I don't know. Makes sense to me. Number ten. Be generous with praise. I've never met a child yet that I can't say something nice about. But unfortunately, there are a lot of kids out there who aren't hearing very nice things. You know, and I think we can use praise as a motivating tool. Yes, ma'am. One thing I've always heard is to praise in public and reprimand in private. That's perfect. That's good, not just for kids. 
that's good with adults to praise in public and reprimand in private. Mm -hmm. All right, number next, and we're going to go at these last ones really, really fast. Number not six, um, highly effective Bible study leaders are concerned about the environment. Now, I'm not talking about going green, even though that may be appropriate. I'm not talking about an Al Gore theory or anything else. I'm talking about the environment of safety in your classroom, the environment of safety in your church. So, number one, prevention is the preferred strategy. When it comes to making sure you have a good environment with your kids, prevention is the preferred strategy. I would rather prevent an issue than deal with it. So if you start thinking, how can I make these, make sure these kids are safe, make sure that it's a good uh, environment for them, from the beginning, then your, the results will be a lot easier than, oh my goodness, I've lost a child today. Those results are different when an enraged parent is in your face. Number next, always observe the two adult rule. Always, always, always observe the two adult rule. Never, never, never are you alone in the room with minor children that are not yours. <laughs> never. Let me be very clear one more time. Because I, churches don't think I'm serious. Never be the only adult in a room with minor children. We are living in a crazy world and we're finding out that it didn't just start this week. We've been living in a crazy world for a long time, but what we have found out is coming to a head and children are, are being abused, they're being taken advantage of, and the church is not an exception. You must be observed the two in a room rule, two adults. An adult is somebody over the age of 18, just so you know. And for if you, can, if you can possibly not being there with your wife or your husband, that's even better. So if, you're, if a team's working together, husband and wife, we need a third person in. Because legally, a husband can't testify for or against their wife in a court of law or the other way around. Now, I'm not, I know it's hard. And enlistment is one of the top three things that people want to talk about because people aren't Maybe it's because they're scared, but I think if we use these preventions as our preferred strategy, they won't be so scared because we put things in place, but I'm just telling you, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take one incident. It only takes one accusation, mm -hmm. and it will mess you up. All right. I think you know I'm serious, especially you men. Yes. Especially you men. Yeah. All right. Number next, uh, assess the room regularly. So take a look around and clean up if necessary. Now, I, I know all your churches have custodial staff and they have people who come in and clean up your church. Ha, ha, ha. It may fall on you to clean up that room. Don't be above that. If you need to go buy a little handy vac to clean up the glitter that's been there, because this is what I did. We spilt glitter. Now, first of all, glitter's from the devil. We spilt, we spilt glitter. We spilt glitter on the floor. And I just thought, I'm going to watch and see how long that glitter's sitting there. Three months later, the glitter's still sitting there. Oh, wow. 
Now, we have a custodial team. And I wanted to call everybody's boss in and say, but what I finally went and bought a little handy vac. <laughs> Glitter's gone. And that may be what you need to do. Be willing to assess the room and clean up if necessary. Number next, view your classroom from a child's eye level. What do the kids see when they come in? You know, we're up here, they're down here. And when you're thinking about safety and security, is the cubby that's been attached to the wall or that hook that's hanging off the wall at their eye level? We may need to do something about that. View your classroom from the eye level of a child. Closely monitor the children. Closely monitor the children. This isn't a social time. This isn't an opportunity to give out uh, recipes for cookies and sit in the back of the room with your coffee. Huh. With your coffee, this is a time to monitor and uh, um, monitor the room, the children around object. What did I say? Closely monitor children around objects that can't be moved. You need to be monitoring the kids. That big upright piano that Aunt Sally Ruth's great grandmother gave 14 years ago because she didn't want it in her house anymore may not be able to be removed. So you may need to make sure that kids are safe around those things. Know the location of the first aid kit. I hope it's in your classroom. I hope every classroom has one. But if not, where is one? Where is a first aid kit? Establish a plan for emergency evacuation or even lockdown. We're living in that world too. Have you thought through it? Because prevention is the preferred strategy. If you wait till you hear the pop, 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 it's too late to have a plan. That's so sad to have to say. But none of us, nobody who was in Walmart in El Paso thought it was going to happen to them. Nobody. But it did. Do you have a plan? Have you thought through it? Evaluate and remove damaged furniture and resources that you don't need. Make sure that if you can, if you've got a chair, an old oak chair that pinches every little girl's bottom, but when they sit in it because it's cracked, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Choose and plan age-appropriate activities. One of the reasons we mess up often is because we have the wrong activities planned. We have the wrong activities planned. Go the extra mile to be above reproach. To be above reproach. It doesn't take one incident. It only takes one accusation. That was really fast. But we need to be concerned about the safety of the boys and girls in our classroom. Number seven, we lead kids to be on mission. And I'm not going to spend much time here because we spent time here last night. But we need boys and girls to be on mission. We need boys and girls to know that they are Acts 1-8. They are... Um, uh, uh, Great Commission Christians too. The Great Commission in Acts 1-8 and any other part of the Bible isn't written just for adults. It's written for whosoever will. It's written for boys and girls and they need to be on mission too. And we need to teach them to be on mission or they won't grow up to be on mission. And the last one, and it's a good thing because we're out of time. The last one is that we... Oh, oh, oh. I need to get rid of that slide. Number eight... Be a lifelong learner. I want to congratulate you because obviously you've already determined that you don't know everything. And I've said before, a know-it-all really doesn't know it at all. They just think they know it at all and they don't know it at all. At all. They don't know all of it at all. Anyhow, don't be one. Don't be a know-it-all. 
Don't think you know it all. I've been in children's ministry for 30 years. And if I still did the same, still did it just like I did 30 years ago, and some of it is still good. But if I had, if I had not been able to learn new things and take advantage of, of other people's knowledge and glean from them and, and go to conferences like this morning, then I wouldn't be as effective as I was in 1980 and 2019. We need to make sure that we're lifelong learners. We need to be always seeking to do better. We can do that through um, the internet now. There's all kind of ways you can learn on the internet. and There's um, opportunities at lifeway.com that you can find. Kids Ministry 101 is a blog that I've been a part of where you can just read articles and learn along the way. You can do that through coming to sessions like this a couple times a year or once a year when you're given the opportunity. You need to be committed to learning to be the best and most effective teacher you can possibly be. Let's pray and we'll be done. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, you are such a, a, you're such a good God. You're such a, 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 a grace-filled, merciful, giving God. And you have been good to us and you have given us the opportunity to teach boys and girls to join you in, in what you're doing in the lives of boys and girls and then their families. God, I thank you for these men and women who've come on a Saturday morning to learn what it is that you've prepared for them so that they can be what you're preparing them to be. God, I'm thankful that you you do that in our lives. You prepare us for what you're preparing for us. And so today I pray, God, that you would help us to, to, to just kind of meditate and think about these eight points as it helps us to be prepared for what might be happening tomorrow in our Sunday school, in our church. God, I pray that you'd give us the the insights, the wisdoms, the strength, the knowledge. Just open our minds and our hearts so that we can be effective to share the gospel with boys and girls. That boys and girls and their families would come come to know you and spend an eternity with you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much.